Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I was uh, I was driving over today. I was driving. And I, I listened to this. I, I don't have serious radio. I have a really old car. And I, I was listening to uh, this station called The Sound 100.3. And I love it because they play classic rock. And, you know, I love classic rock. And, you know, and I'm listening. And, you know, for me, classic rock is like old Aerosmith, uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, Leonard Skinner, all the bands that when I was younger, I would buy their albums on the Columbia House, which if younger people don't remember, there used to be Columbia House Records where you buy 12 albums for like a penny, but you have to buy like nine in like three years. And then you get, and no one ever finished, uh, did the obligation. And everyone said, don't worry about it. It never goes on your credit, which it didn't because I think I joined like six times and I had tons of albums in my, I would just throw the, the slip away. But I was listening today and um, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me was on. On classic rock. Now I know it's thirty years old. I know the song's thirty years old, but I remember being—I'll be fifty-one at the end of this month—and I remember being in college, and that show was so that that song was so prevalent. And now I'm sitting there going, "It's classic rock," and it just—it really bothered me. It's like God, I am old because. Simple Minds. It's still to me. It was like it was like yesterday. The '80s were yesterday, and so just if you hear that song. Think of it as a new song, not classic rock. Anyway, enough about that. We have a, we have a great show. Uh, my guest today was on um, this show about two and a half, two and a half, three years ago. And it's so funny. Last night I was watching TV and I was flipping on uh, the program guide and her repeat performance when she was on Craig Ferguson, which, by the way, she killed, which she did. Uh, my guest is Kathy Lavin. How you doing, Kathy? Hi. You know, I'll tell you something. I I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you. And uh, I remember that Columbia Record Club. I did that, and I also did the DVD. Um, the when I was like trying to be, like kind of beef up my catalog of DVDs, um, I loved it. I loved it, and you know, but it used to be it used to be years ago that <clears throat> excuse me, you would you would get the um, all like twelve. 12 uh, LPs or 12 CDs, whatever, for a penny. And then they would gouge you with with like incredibly high prices for the ones that you were committed to buy. But not when I did the DVD thing. The DVD thing, it was so great. I wish they still had it. Although I, then I would buy things that are just sitting in my house. But um, ba- And also I would just want to say about the classic. You know, it's so hard for me to keep my mouth shut while you're talking. You're doing the opening. It's so hard. That's, I wanted, that's all right. I want to join in. Well, and you I didn't, can talk now. And I should have asked. I, th- I don't think I was allowed to. I don't think I was permitted to talk at the you beginning. You weren't. You right? weren't. I wasn't. That's right. And I, didn't, and I just had this feeling that it was your little soliloquy there. <laughs> but I wanted to so badly because I know exactly how you feel about this classic rock thing. Um, and I love that song by Simple Minds. And also, test, check out now um, Turner Classic Movies. The stuff that's showing up on Turner Classic Movies that were first-run movies in our adult lives. Well, you know it's what's bizarre. You know what's scary about that? My girlfriend's niece is nineteen, and she goes to Monmouth in New Jersey. They actually have a class on the films of John Hughes, and I'm thinking, Wow! I'm thinking, Wait a second, I'm old. But the thing about the DVD and the CDs, what you're saying is, yeah. The funny thing is with the CDs. If you never ma- or the albums, whatever mm-hmm. it was, if you didn't mail that slip back, right, and they a- would send it, and then you'd be like, "What am I?" And then you would send it back, and I would just think <clears> my mom would say, "Well, just put it back in the mailbox." But they would have come back to you. I never knew you had to like circle and do it. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was. I know that you had that very short window of opportunity to send the slip back and say, "I don't want it." You know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was set up for you to fail. Basically. Now, now for you, we're just talking about music. <clears throat> you have kids. Do you listen to do you do you like their music? Like my girlfriend listens to like her niece's music and well, I go I go what is this crap? And I feel old when I say I don't want to hear like this and Bastille and all these groups I don't you know, know who they are. My daughter's 11 and I think she's got really eclectic taste in music. She plays viola, she loves classical music, but she listens to and she loves the Beatles and she loves Squeeze. She also likes to listen to a lot of Broadway um, albums with me. Like we love listening to Book of Mormon, although I have to like skip over some of the really filthy parts. And um, Damn Yankees she loves because we saw it together. I'm taking her to see Ragtime in a couple of weeks. So she really digs that kind of stuff too. Um, but then she listens to her own music, and some of it I like, and some of it is horrible. And I'll tell you one thing. I was thinking about last night she was listening to somebody called, um, oh, shoot, I forget her name, uh, some rapper. Uh, it's a woman. 
I can't remember her name, but I never have been able to get into rap music. And I really tried to open my mind to it. You know, I didn't want to be one of those older people who's like, yeah, the kids' music is horrible. You know, I tried to open, and I, it just does not. To me, rap music is like kind of halfway between spoken word and music, but it, it's, not, it's, for, it's not melodic. And most of the lyrics of of rap music that I've heard are stupid, right? Racist, sexist. Um, you know, really have nothing. They don't speak to me in any way, and they make me angry. See, <laughs> most I, like. I, I like the older rap. I don't listen to it now. But what's funny is, but the thing is also you said with like your daughter listens to this eclectic taste. I think now, and I don't have kids, but I think now. One, you're in the entertainment business, and one, you're you're cool. I think when when we were younger, parents were different. Like you didn't have parents, you know. Yeah, but there. Not, according to my daughter, I don't know if I'm cool to my daughter. Yeah, but of course you're not. You're her mom. But I mean, yeah. like my parents. I mean, but I she love them. she'll learn one day how cool I am. Yeah, and, she and, will. Yeah, exactly. Damn it. She'll go. Damn it. My, <laughs> she, when she's twenty, she'll go. Damn, my mom is cool. Yeah, and you'll go. I don't want to hear it now. <laughs> Get out of the house. That's what yeah. Doing. So okay, so you're originally from New York. Yes. Okay, and I know when you were on the show before we talked, you went to school in Philly to be a teacher, Oh, right? that's right, yes, yeah. And so you went, now how did you transform, I mean, parlay being a teacher into comedy? Well, I always, uh, I wanted to be a comedian. I started to listen to comedy when I was eight. My, all my parents' comedy albums, I used to watch all the comedians on, you know, the Ed Sullivan Show and the Tonight Show and... Um, <laughs> Excuse me, of allergies, and um, uh, and then I I made a conscious decision at age thirteen to be a comedian. Okay, and then it just took me another thirteen years to really screw up my courage. I tried it like when I was about twenty two, like a couple of times, and then I just I backed away. I just wasn't ready. And it was it was a scary thing for me because I was doing it alone. I mean, I guess I guess, you know, I, I had absolutely no encouragement from anybody in my life, really. Well, my best friend, I think. Well, it's weird because I know I started out doing comedy in Philadelphia, and especially back then. I mean, in Philadelphia, there was like hardly any female comics, and for you, you well, there were hardly any back then, anyway. Yeah, so I'm saying, but for you, there must have been not any. So, but well, you didn't have that camaraderie because now you know out here, there's, right? There's so many. I mean, I'm like sitting right. there going. Oh my God! There's like nine thousand. Well, there's two million comics here. I mean, if you walk down the street right. and you trip, it's usually a comic. I mean, right. I can't go anywhere without seeing him. So it was. It must have been uh, weird, uh, scary too. It must have enhanced it because you were I the only even, female. Nah, it, I honestly didn't even consider that. It didn't. I because I had listened, you know, to guys doing stand up. I mean, my 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 uh, the catalysts in my life were Robert Klein and George Carlin. And uh, I didn't listen to a lot of women. I mean, I, I loved Lily Tomlin, but it was it, she didn't do stand up. But I loved listening to her characters. Um, but I never listened to a lot of the women that I'm, I'm you know, that I've that have become uh, familiar with now. I mean, I used to watch Joan Rivers all the time. I mean, she was you know a real icon. Uh, to me and to everyone, I think everyone. Um, uh, yeah, I think she was just someone. I mean, she was just so damn funny. Oh my I mean, god! It's like you sit there and and if there's that documentary about her, which is just amazing, oh, so great. When you see her, like you know, people always say, "Oh yeah, she you know she's brash," but then you find out that she worked all those worked work work, and she sent like her her housekeeper's kid through school mm -hmm. and all this stuff, and then just her whole catalog of jokes is just amazing I, I mean I don't have any half the jokes I wrote I, I never wrote them down and she keeps them by three by five cards wow now you know you did you get away from stand-up for a while no no I didn't but did I answer that previous question yeah. about about men and the men and the women yeah yeah I never okay fine I just want to make sure no no yeah it's fine it's, it's alright <laughs> okay your honor thank no, you I just don't, I don't want to leave any I don't want to you know have to come back for a second trial that's alright okay. it's alright I'm, I'm, I'm easy like that I'm, I'm, right. I, I know, I'm not like Judge Ito you know okay. we'll go smooth alright so, right. no, so I know well, you, you, when you were doing comedy you did it I read you did the Tonight Show nine times yes now what was that like I mean as you did it with Carson I'm guessing I did it like four or five times with Carson, and then four or five times with Jay. Now, what was that like? with your first time? I mean, was it? Were you scared, mm. or was it just it's, it's such a big? Because back well, then it was so big. I was booked to do it with Johnny, and I got bumped, and that was disappointing. Um, but then I got rebooked really 
fast and to do it with Jay. And what was good about that was that I, I knew I was going to get to do panel. So I did it with Jay like, I can't remember, two times maybe. And then Jim McCauley, who was the booker back then, said to me, or maybe, no, maybe two or three times I did it with Jay. And then McCauley was backstage with me when they were getting ready to page the curtain for me to walk out. You know, the band's playing and he's standing with me. He goes, you know, I really would like you to get you on with Johnny. And I said, yeah, I'd like to. But the thing is, I really, I want to do panel. Because I was, I had already established that I did panel. And I didn't want to like go on with Johnny and then not do panel. Because I like doing panel. Um, and... He said, well, well, I said, and then he, I said, could we talk about this another time? Because <laughs> I was like, just about to walk out and do it. It was really funny. Um, but uh, it was great. I mean, it was just great. And, and Johnny's, uh, the old studio, you know, before Jay changed the studio, the old studio was the best. It was just the best studio. You, the way you stood and the way the audience was banked, everybody was a you know, up. Everybody was above. Your, your your camera was straight ahead of you. And then Jay redid that studio, and I thought it was terrible for the comics. You know, he did it so that it looked more like a comedy club. And where he stood to do his monologue was the best place. Although what I didn't like is that people were down, like they were below you, which I didn't like. Um, I much prefer when the people are ahead and above you uh and um but that but where he does it is is the best place to do it and that was was the best place to do it in that studio but then what they did is they moved the comics to the side spot off towards the band which was like like in the corner of the audience and there was no focus to where you were looking and your 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 you know, single camera was on a jib. It, it was like you know, with the, you know, a jib. Right. Yeah. Your listeners know what a jib is. Do you do you, do you have a Steve? Do you have a Cooper Talk uh, glossary that they can? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. You, you should have. You should um, look to your glossary right now. Look up jib, and um, and it was not good. It was not set up well for the comic at all, at all. So did that that I mean, guess that made didn't probably make it as happy for when you went back then. I mean, you always look excited to, but I mean, and if you're used to something that's so good, you go back, you're just like, you're, you're yeah, like, I mean, eh. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't love doing that. In fact, I think I was the first comic to, to be on that new spot in Jay's new studio. And it was just terrible. It was really bad. Now you were just on Craig Ferguson two months ago. Yes. Now I have heard, I don't know if this is true, but from people I know, comics who have been on Craig Ferguson's. Well, you were on Couch. Well, I've so. done it five times okay. this show. Okay, so and you were, and I you did were it in an couch. old okay. studio and a new studio. But I heard, well, I guess for you, because they know you now. But the first few times when you go on, they just they record it. Like I know a guy who did it. And oh he's yeah, like, I he's mean, like, I'm not going to be on till I think he recorded it in like May. He goes, I think I might be on July. I might, you know, it didn't. Yeah. Know. Oh yeah, but this was actually this last uh, this last appearance of mine was the first time that I ever did it as part of a, an entire show. Um, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe and I were the guests, and that's how it aired. You know, pr- prior to that, I had post I had post-taped it. Um, well, no, one time I pasted it. Uh, uh, well, the time before I did it during the show, but then they put it in another show. and and But the other times um, in the old studio, he taped the show, and then he would come off stage, uh, and he'd say hello and you know congrat and say you know have a great show and and the warm up comic was terrific and the audience was terrific and it would base I would basically do a post taped segment that they would drop into another show which was okay I mean it was still great I mean the audience was terrific but there's something really much more exciting about doing an entire show, a yeah. live show. And I'd also think that you sit there when you're when you go in, it's like if you're air like three months later, you know, if you're wearing something for that's to do with the weather at that time and then all of a sudden someone sits there like and it airs three months later and it's cold out, they're going, What the hell is she wearing now? Well, for? I mean you clearly can't do things that are too topical. Right. No, you can't. But um I mean I didn't even I taped this and it aired um like ten days later, this last one. 
Okay. So they do that a lot though because they tape two shows in a in a day. It was it's different the way they produce this show. Now, did they tell you okay this time you're getting panel or what? What brought it up to that point where it's like you were doing well, performing? I I had uh, prior to this, like I said, I had I'd always done a spot and then it was dropped into another show. So, but I was doing a very special kind of. This was a big deal for me. This particular set because I was talking for the first time. I was talking about being anorexic on national television, and. And I was talking about my new solo show, and which has to do with that. And and so I said to my manager, I said, "Look, I really, I know it's not likely, but I really would like to do panel, and I'd, and I'd like you to please ask." And he said he would. And lo and behold, they said you, you're going to do panel. And I knew it was going to be a great place to do this because Craig is very into his recovery, and um, I knew he would be compassionate and comfortable and and funny and intelligent about the subject that he would you know he would ask the right questions he would have a good discussion it wouldn't it would be respectful you know I, I just knew all of these things and that was important to me when I was going out there and, and kind of laying it all out there well I think it is important I mean you know it's so um it's very, it was great of you to do. And so there's so many issues that people don't address. You know, I, I had someone who was on who was doing a documentary about her friend committing suicide. Right. Suicide's not addressed. My, my girlfriend is a date rape uh, victim who goes and speaks to colleges. Okay, she addresses it. Right. And there's so many times that these people, these subjects are so taboo, but they're everywhere. And it just, it takes people like you and even like when Robin Williams committed suicide, the depression thing it brings it out and it, right. and it has to be handled right because but you know wouldn't it have been great if robin could have talked about it and i mean like oh, you yeah. know it and and the thing is that there's still so much shame around um all of all of this this stuff that that we we see ourselves as being weak or or um kind of like uh malformed rejects in some way you know and and it's that shame that's instilled in us that causes us to not speak about it because we're afraid of what other people think and through my recovery what i've learned really is that what other people think about me is none of my business right yeah well that's so funny it's like my girlfriend had posted something after the ray rice thing and the guy, you know, because you get the trolls on Twitter, and she mm-hmm. tweets a lot, and she tweets links to her blog. And this was something about someone, well, someone did something, and they said, well, you deserved it. And she's like, well, no, you know. But then someone guy, and we just laughed, and she got to the point where she, she laughed because some guy wrote, that's dumb, ho. And then he said, suck it, ho. And she was like, that made no, I'm wow. And it's just so funny how they get these trolls and people just come out. I mean, that, I mean, like a comment like that, what, I mean, like, what could you hope that that adds to the conversation? Exactly. Suck it, ho. Exactly. Well, now that you've said that, I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, you're, you're coming out with the one woman show you've been working on. Now, what made you, because you did your stand up for so long. Oh, it's called Does This Show Make Me Look Fat? Right. Now, you're coming yes. out with that, but what made you sit there? And what made you decide to start talking about anorexia in your act? Because you did comedy for so long. You did yeah. TV, you wrote. What made you sit there and say? Well, you know, the more I've been doing comedy for 33 years, and the more, you know, I grow in it, the more, the, I mean, I've, I've always talked about real things, but, you know, you trace back to what, what I mean, I trace back to what I used to do, and it was more, you know, the, the early stuff was easier, it was more accessible, it was more generic, and as I continued to grow, it got more and more personal, and it actually got darker, and, um, but not like dark for darkness's sake, it just got more real, because that's what I wanted to talk about, and I started to try to introduce anorexia when I was doing a club, or just a comedy show, and... It didn't work, you know. It just left the room cold. Um, it was too much of a shocking shift, and it was—I just didn't know how to make it palatable in that arena. Um, there's something very different about talking about anorexia than than there is talking about alcoholism or obesity. Even people are, for some reason, are more willing to laugh whether it's appropriately or inappropriately at alcoholism and obesity and cancer and stuff like that 
Anorexia, first of all, is not talked about a lot, and it's very scary to people. Uh, it's very mysterious. It's mysterious to people who even study it. I mean, it's one of the most difficult mental illnesses to treat. Um, and the fatality rate of anorexia is, is up to twenty is up to up to twenty percent, which is crazy high. Oh, yeah, for any I mean, for any disease, that's a I mean, big very, majority. I mean, yeah. cancer is lower than that. Yeah, I mean, it's really uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult one. And no, no. so that so anyway so so what I decided to do was do something where I could be doing it in a different venue, which is a theater, you know, where I'm not doing it in a room where there's an expectation of laugh, laughter all the time. It's, it's more of, it's a theater piece. It's got laughs and it's got um, serious points, you know, because it is like that. Now, as a performer, I mean, that's such a big task because you're used to doing comedy and you're used to getting laughs and mm-hmm. you're used to writing. I mean, you know, I mean, you've acted in Mad Men and stuff like that. You've acted serious parts, but you mostly been comedy mm-hmm. and so now you're sitting there and people I think expect when they see your name they go oh, she's a comedian so for you I mean when you start sit down and start writing that do you first do you like write it as the serious stuff first then add jokes I mean how do you go about doing the, the show <clears throat> well I mean it's an evolution it's really not it's this show has taken me 10 years to to get to this point um you know, and I'm still working on it. There's still, like, there's, the, I still want to address that point at the beginning of the show that this is a difficult thing for me to do because I'm a comic. And what I do is I make people laugh. And if I'm not making people laugh, who am I? You know, there's a real identity crisis in that. And, uh, so I'm exploring that at the beginning of the show now. I've been e- even been adding some new, dialogue at uh into the beginning to address that even more and my director and I are a little bit divided about that I think that she feels that that's not necessary but I'm really feeling necessary because it's it's kind of like I want to clear my I want to clear my head I don't want to be thinking about that while I'm performing and worrying about that element of it uh I want to share as much as I of I can and if that's if that's what's going on with me, I want to share that. I want to keep sharing whatever is going on with me at the moment, you know, because uh, that's really what my message is about. It's about being real, and it's about not hiding and not keeping a secret and not being afraid about being who you are, warts and all. So Now, so you said it took 10 years. So you came up with this about, idea. Yeah. So now how, how did the process, I mean, how did you sit, did you sit here recently and just say, okay, I've been working on this, I really need to do it? Or, I mean, because I know like anything, we work on a project, and we go, oh yeah, we're doing this, and you push it back, and you push it back. What, why did it take so long, and what made you I sit there don't, now? I don't, I can't even tell you why it took so long. Probably a lot of it was, was fear uh, of tackling this. Um, and it just, it just, took what it took you know it just took what it took um it's a departure for me um and but i knew that i wanted to do something and still want to do something meaningful you know i want what i i want my work to to have like a purpose you know not just i mean comedy is great but i mean to me the great com- comedians were are, are philosophers and they they really uh say things that are that resonate and that uh stay with people um and they're not just about the minutia of life they're about the big questions of life and um so i i, I just want to be i want to do i want to be of service i want to do something that makes a difference that's great that so, you do i mean you know, how did you find your director because that must be a big task well I'd worked with this uh, woman, her name is Jolene Adams, and she has a small theater called Actors Art Theater, and in the mid-90s, um, my, my then agent sent me on an audition for a play and th- to that theater, and I went there and auditioned, and I was cast, and I've just developed a relationship with her over the years, and she directed my first solo show that I did um, at the Aspen Comedy Festival, and um, 
we've worked together a, a lot over the years and we've become like incredibly close friends and she's just I just adore her she's the best she's just such a great person and so supportive and so kind and so open and I mean just she's great she's just a terrific human being and I feel very safe with her which is important um and she's a good actor she's a good director she's a good writer she's a good producer i mean she really knows and she's and she's got such integrity you know and it just all these elements it just feels right it just feels right so it's, it's so, so you start doing the process now so when is, is this when is this play going up um is it a play or is it a one more one person show what, what would you call it i'd call it a solo show okay you know, I mean, I guess you could call it a play. I don't know. What's the definition of a play? I don't, I don't no, know. That's why I'm asking you. you you've know. been in theater. I've been, calling I, it, I've been calling it a solo okay, show. That's good. But um, it's, um, we're do, I'm going to do, a, I'm going back to New York next week and I'm going to do a workshop performance of it in upstate New York and uh, in Saugerties on October 17th. It's on my website. I have two websites now. I have two websites and three Facebook pages, and all I do is administrate. Can I tell you one thing? Yes. The uh, KathyLadman.com. Yes. Very nice looking website. Really? I, Thanks. I, I go to websites all the time to check out my guests and do information. I have, I have my three sources. Thank you. Wikipedia, which Wikipedia half the time is bullcrap. IMDb, you get a few credits wrong, right. but you get the gist. But yours is good because it shows you... It's basically, it looks good. I mean, there, there's nothing worse than when I see someone, and you're a successful actor, comic, writer. There's nothing worse when I see something like that and I go to a website and it's like one of these just looks like crap. And I sit there, I go, wait a second. You know, you, I expect this to be someone who just, you know, but your site, you go Well, in. my friend did it for me. My friend did it for me. Uh, he's a graphic designer and he did it, he did it on Wix because it was really easy and it would be easy for me to administrate. Because I wanted to be able to do the, all the adding, and I didn't want to have to go to somebody all the time and say, "Can you put this up? Can you change this?" I, w I like doing it. Right. And so Wix is something that I can handle, and I love. I mean, it's so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. And then I created, like two weeks ago, I created the "Does This Show Make Me Look Fat?" website. Okay. With Wix, and I'm just—it's just growing now. I just made a very simple template. And it's growing, and I'm adding things to it little by little. And then I have, you know, three Facebook pages. And, like, it's now, like all I do is go to each page and say, look at this other page. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, it's funny about the Facebook pages because I, I, I have my personal page, which it's, I'm one of these people that I always crack up when people, you know, to get 5,000 friends is no problem. Anyone can do it, you know, because every comic will add. But I always crack up when people sit there and they go, okay, I'm at 5,000, um, you know, I'm. You know, thinning out the herd, and they sit there and go, "If you don't like my comments, you know, I'm going to delete you." And I'm like, "Go ahead, delete." I, I see this a lot. I go, "I go, are you that pompous?" I said, "If I don't, you don't, you mean if you don't like physically, like yeah, like some or, or people like, that don't interact with me, it's like, well, you know, whatever." What are you punishing us? Exactly. But for and then I have a Cooper Talk Facebook page, right. but I I think I posted on it uh, about six months ago. I know because it's such a pain in the I ass. I know, but I that's what something I'm really like very conscious of it I'm, the, when I, I post many times a day on Facebook and I love it and I've come up with great material on there too I learn a lot I learn a lot about politics I learn a lot about the world I learn a lot about people I've met great friends I mean I, I really love Facebook I do not consider it a time suck at all I don't either but, um, but see, let me interrupt real quick yes. you're, you're also a good poster because you post about your kids and you post you know you post positive stuff because so many times people just post you know Crap! But that's thing. Well, I mean, I post things that make me angry too. I know, you but, know. You, but you're not. One of the, I mean, you some. You know the people who sit there and they just sit there and they Grouse. post and they sit there and they put the. First of all, the word I hate is when people put those disgusting pictures up, like of a cat getting burnt. I know there's animal. Why cruelty. would they do that? I know, but they sit there and they go, "We're we're sorry, we never put these. Then don't put it up." <sighs> it's just irritating. So you have three. So the three pages. Anyway, are like, so okay, so I what I where I post the most is on my personal page. And that's where my best stuff is. And I really have to start taking some of that energy and putting it on my fan page. And now I have this other page. Does this page make me look fat? You know, I'm kind of making like a franchise of the show. Well, on your, all on your over website, does this blog make me look fat? Right, right. So, um, and then I also have that blog. I'm kind of, You can't share... I wanted to share that blog on my other site, but I... 
I couldn't do it with the Wix interface, so I'm kind of like having to reproduce things. It's a little cumbersome. I have to figure out something else. But um, I, um, I I have to find. I'm not I'm, I'm not good at keeping my pro page, my professional page, updated and and as interesting as my personal page, and that's not so good. Well, I think what happens is, it, and I do the same thing, is when you sit there and you go to your regular page, that's what's up. To go to your personal page, you got to sit there and you got to click on something, and then it says talk as, then you have to speak as the Cooper talk, and it's just, it's just confusing. I have two pages. I'm like, yeah, how would it? It's like, I, yeah, I, but if I want more people to come to that, I have to put more energy into it, and also you, all my. Facebook friends and the people that I interact with for the most part are on my personal page. You know, my, my, my fan page looks, is, feels like kind of like a, you know, a, a wasteland. It just doesn't look as inviting. And that's a problem. And I have, to, I have to, like, really beef it up and talk to people as if people are going to respond there. And, and then keep doing it and keep doing it. And people will respond, you know, but I, they're not going to respond if I don't put the effort in. Right. Now, now, do you tweet a lot? Are you a Twitter person? I'm not a tweeter. Um, I've tried. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm too verbose a lot of times. But when I have a good, I try to remember when I have a good short thought to do it on Twitter because then, I, then it goes straight to Facebook anyway. Right. I have it set up. However... You can't edit it. You know, once it's on Facebook, if, if it came from Twitter to Facebook, you can't edit the way you can if, right. it, if you started at Facebook. That's the worst when you do it. And you have yeah. a spelling error and you go, oh my God. I know. And I, I know I you that. were an English teacher, weren't you? Yes. And I had to like, I really delete one and go back. And yeah. I mean, I was, it was, it was really like a, a it was sticking in my craw, man. I, I, I couldn't I, let it go. I have an English question for you. Yes. And this comes from, because I have an idiot savant memory. Mm -hmm. This comes from the last time you were on my show. Mm -hmm. And I post, I just changed it. I said, Kathy Ladman and me in studio. Mm -hmm. And you said it should be Kathy Ladman and I, I believe. Yeah. But then I was thinking, but no, I put, first I put me and Kathy Ladman. And right. someone said, hey, idiot. It's not that way. I said, okay, so Kathy Labman and me. And I, I believe you said, or we talked about it, you yeah. said I. Yeah. Now, now, why? I mean, Kathy Labman and me sounds fine. I think Kathy Labman and I It depends I on where, first of all, you know, the phrase Kathy Labman and, and me in studio implies here are Kathy Ladman and me in studio. That's the implied sentence. Okay. okay? In that sentence... You have the verb are, Kathy Lemon and I are, here are, okay? That's part of the f verb to be, okay? That's the infinitive, to be. And that's a link, what you call a linking verb. And you always use the nominative uh, or subjective case when you're using the verb to be. Um, when somebody says who's there, the correct answer should be it's I, most people don't say that. Right. Most people say it's me. But the correct way to say it is it's, it's I. Um, he and I do this. It's not he and him and me. Oh, God, that like when somebody says him and me, I have to go to the hospital. <laughs> it's just horrible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because I mean, when you when you when you use it in a phrase, it's there's really no since there's no verb. It's it's hard to say. But the sentence that's implied is is that one? Well, for me, what changes? I say, I just now let's say for my post a picture. I'll say Kathy Labin in studio for Cooper Talk because right there. Well, okay, they know it's m me or I. I'm there, so they right. know it's not Cooper Talk. If you were just standing there, right? You know, so I learned. But I remember you. Posted but it should that. be Kathy Labin and I. I think okay. I I'm just, pretty sure. See, my mom was like that. My mom would. I remember when we used to say instead of instead of he said something, we say he goes. Like he mm -hmm. goes. And I remember my mom. My mom would always sit there and go. He goes where, Stephen? And it would drive me up the wall. But, you know, and that's a colloquialism. And the thing about me and grammar is that I can, you know, I can preach about it all the time, uh, you know, as much as I want. But a lot of it comes down to usage. And there's so much stuff that has changed. And that's English is a, it's a living language and it changes. And a lot of it changes with usage. It all changes with usage. And a lot of bad grammar has become acceptable because of that. And some of it makes me really sad. You know, I mean, I, you would never end a sentence in a preposition. It just, you were taught that is not the way you use the language. 
um, you know, but now people do that and it's considered acceptable. And, you know, tough, Kathy. Now, no, well, okay, well, now when you're working on your, your, your solo show, mm-hmm. do you make sure everything's grammatically correct? It's so funny because there's a part in, in the show where I actually hang a lantern on it. I actually, because I say it's I and, I, and I just talk about how stupid that sounds. And I want to say it's me, but I can't. Because it's not grammatically correct. (laughs) I just can't do it. And I end up sounding like, you know, some character from Shakespeare. Tis I, you know? (laughs) Well, I hate that because I I write different stuff. And uh, I hate when I get the the green line. Yes. And I sit there because I sit there going, but this is how I talk. And then I have to go back. And then I don't have a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, and then you sit there and you change one word. And then the worst is when you sit there and you actually do it and you go down and Uh it's fine. And then all of a sudden it pops up again. I don't know if it catches up and you're like, it just drives me crazy. But the thing is, there were two, when you were writing, you know, you 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 can write in a, there's a di- there are different ways to write. I mean, you can choose to write in a grammatically correct way, and you can choose to write in a dialect. And if that dialect is your dialect, is your speech pattern, that's your choice. Yeah, but I just don't want to see the page with the green stuff because I feel like I screwed something well, up. That's you know, that's something that you really need to <laughs> think about. If that's <laughs> that's going to be ruling your life, then green stuff i thought it's red Which no, co- no red 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 is when you make a uh, spelling mistake right the green is, is when it, it grammatical yes oh and then there's okay. a blue i don't know why that kind of comes oh. up every once in a while i don't even know where okay. the blue comes from do you work on a mac uh no okay i have a pc okay i'm not a mac person so. you said that in such an apologetic <laughs> no, way it was just i was just curious no, because i thought maybe the, the colors were different no, most on... creative people work on macs really and they do you work on a mac i do yeah See, there did, you go. You're creative. I, I'm, I'm my friend. Yeah, you, a lot of. I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, I know that it's become that. I know. I know graphically, people were much. Uh, people who years ago were the Macs were better for graphics, um, and I don't know how PCs have evolved. M- but my my stepson much prefers PCs, and he's a he was he works for Electronic Arts, and he's you know into video gaming and stuff like that. So. They must be fine. Oh yeah, I just a lot of times but people go. Oh. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like Macs. I've I've got a Mac from the very beginning, 1986. I had my first Macintosh computer. I wish I still had it. God, you could sell for a fortune. I just <laughs> love it. I would just like to have it. I was going to ask you now when you you're doing your show in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to. We have to. I can't. I don't want to forget to talk. Yeah, we'll, about we'll do this. that now. Okay. Okay. No, okay. Uh, people, just so you know, uh, as you know, uh, well, Steve Scrovan will be on next week with a. Uh, Steve, Steve's been on three, four times. Wow. No, no that'll be his fourth time. He, Steve came on he's once. He's so great. Oh, he's great. What a nice and I, man. I, got, I get mad at him because he's an Ivy League guy who played college football and he's this good looking guy. It's like, you're not supposed to do comedy. You're running for I know, the best of us. I like, mean, he's what like, are you he's doing? perfect. Yeah, he's perfect, it's like, what is he? wrong? And he's you, funny. He's kind. He's handsome. Yeah, and he's like, athletic. I mean, it's ear, it boils. Right. Yeah, you sit there and go, I, I sit there and go, no. It's like when Robbie Benson was on my show. I was like, oh. he's really smart. I'm like, dude. He goes, oh, I graduated Valedictorian. Victorian. I go, I hate you. You're Robbie Benson. Every woman loved you. Every guy wanted to be you. And you're about, couldn't you just be stupid? I mean, couldn't you just be a stupid guy? That'd make it easier. Would that make your life better, Steve? No, but it would just make me happy. <laughs> you know, I just bitch about random things. Uh-huh. No, so Steve's been on before. Now, I saw Steve had posted on Facebook this uh, amazing comedy show. I mean, it's such a great lineup. I know. I, I can't mean, believe. Crazy. I'm so honored to be now, on when, it. When you do that show, are you going to do some of your anorexic stuff? Or are you, gonna you know, do, I'm are you thinking do? about it, but I don't think so. This is because this is a comedy show, right? And and we're only going to have. I mean, it's only going to be like you know, like less than ten minutes a person because it's a big lineup, right? And um, first, let me just tell you what the lineup is. It's just read, read, read where it's going to be. And when it's well, it's be. it's called, it's called stand up for Main Street, and uh, Steve Scrovan and um, Lou Schneider. Or, or head this thing. And Lou and, writes for the Goldbergs, I believe, right now. Is he writing for the Goldbergs He was now? last season, which I love because I grew up in the Philadelphia area at oh, that time. And okay. I watched that and I just I just. Died. They must be in the Northeast, right? They're in Philly. Yeah, in, but in the Northeast of Philly? Uh, they're actually, I grew up in, across the bridge in Cherry Hill. Oh, and where are the Goldbergs? They're more like uh, out towards the Northeast extension, like Springfield or Neshaminy. Or, oh, okay. Okay. Some. All right. Because, uh, yeah, I lived like North... Like I taught in Abington. Okay. So I lived in Willow Grove. All right. 
Um, Actually, they live near Willow Grove. They do? They, go, they went to the Willow Grove Mall one time. Oh, wow. Because the girl worked there. I'm like, oh, my God, the Willow Grove Mall. Oh, my God. It used to be six-gun territory. It used to be that old amusement park when yeah. I lived there. But it was closed, but the but this park was still there. But, um, oh, my God, I have to, like, check out that show. Because I know great. Jeff. Yeah, you'll, you'll I know love Wendy. It. It's so... I don't know Wendy so well, but I know Jeff it's better. It's so funny. Especially if, if you're aged. I sit there, and I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, so it even hits more. I'm, right. I was, I was like the... Uh, I was the token goyim, you know. I, right. I was, you know, but oh, that's so fun. Someone that's, just put on Facebook. All right, I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, but you watch. All right, tell us about and the I show. love Lou. So anyway, so Steve Scrovin and Lou Schneider homeless, and it's um, it's um, it's it's a benefit for public citizen, which is a consumer watchdog group, and they're responsible for seatbelt safety, airbags, getting dangerous drugs off the market, financial reform, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and. Um, and their biggest campaign right now is is trying to get money out of politics, you know, and and you know campaign you know campaign finance reform, big 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 issue, and spending limits and stuff like that, you know, to kind of, you know with the Koch brothers basically. I mean, this is a huge huge right. issue, and so this lineup is incredible: uh, Carol Leifer, Wayne Fetterman, uh, Lori Kilmartin, Dimitri Martin. Um, uh, Suli McCullough, Jake Johansson, Kevin Nealon, and myself. And then Steve Scrovian and Lou will be emceeing. And so if if you want, and it's at the Writers Guild Theater, which is a great theater. Where is it at? On Doheny, south of Wilshire. Okay. And um, if you want to uh, get tickets, it's on October 19th, which is a Sunday evening. And uh, October 19th is a whole day. But... The show right, yeah. is in the evening. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not we're not you know bending time. It's that, or it's that grammar again. You do that grammar thing. It's, well, I yes. just wanted to be very clear in my meaning. <laughs> what happened to the rest of the day of the nineteenth? Um, so you go to citizen dot org, and there will be um, I'm sure very large icons leading you to get tickets for the show, and it, you know the money goes to a great cause. We're not getting any of it, believe me. Um, and I'm just really looking forward. First of all, I am looking forward. I, I love laughing and I love being, I'm a good audience and I love, these people are great. I know I'm going to be laughing so much when I'm not on stage. In fact, I'm going to be disappointed when I'm on stage because I won't be being entertained <laughs> by them. So how did it come? Did Steve just call you and say you want to do this or how did it come about? Um, I think Pat Buckles is a friend of mine and, and bo- has booked comedy for years and years and years. And she has helped Steve with these shows. And she just said, uh, do the show this year, you know. What's funny about Pat Buckles is yes. Steve Scrovan told me the story how on the one Seinfeld, Barry Diamond's character was named Pat Buckles. And in his Buckles, and I go, I asked him, I said, is that a, I asked him, I said, is that a I real? I know that. Yeah, oh I my said, God. is that a real person? He goes, yes, but Pat Buckles is a woman. Who used to book, I think, Catch in New York. No, improv. Improv in New York. Right? So, yeah, it's a small world. Yeah. So, that's cool that you're going to do. So, that's got to be exciting. You know, you but now, would you know the material you're going to do yet? I mean, for I don't. Each, okay. I don't. I've been thinking about it a little bit. Um, but um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I kind of want to do some of the anorexia stuff. I think it would be a good crowd to do it, though, because it's going to be a cool crowd. They're, they're going to yeah, be. I'll, maybe I'll open with it. I mean, I don't have, I don't have that much. See, I don't have that much stuff that's real, like, like you know, when I, when I, this is how great my director is, okay, Jolene's so great. So when my manager, Glenn Schwartz, told me that they wanted me to do another Ferguson, um, I um, told Jolene, and she said, you know, I think you should do an excerpt from the show, and immediately said, I said, no, it's not, no, it's not, it's not funny enough, it's not the right kind of stuff. You know, that was like my, just like completely like fear I was just fear. And she said, well, let's just go through the script and we'll pull out stuff that you think lends itself more to stand-up than a theatrical piece. And then we'll build a set around that. So that's what I did. And then I pulled some other material that has more to do with um, perfectionism because that's what a lot of the show and, and the theme is about because that's what so much of anorexia is about is perfectionism and and then aging a lot of aging stuff is about losing your quote-unquote perfectionism and then I wrote a closing bit that I had an idea about it has to do with um, me if I ever ended up on death row 
the worst part of being on death row for me would be having to choose a last meal. <laughs> and that, so I wrote that specifically for that set because I just thought that would be a good way to end it. You know, so that's how I built that set. So there, there isn't a lot of stuff for a seven. To, I'm doing like a seven to ten minutes set on this show, you know, on the uh, Public Citizen show. Um, there isn't a lot of stand-up-y stuff, but there's enough that I can do to at least intro it and move into other stuff. And well, that's good though, because you, but you know, but you also know some of the anorexic stuff does work because you did it on TV. Yes, and you know that a lot of the audience may have not seen it, so you can always do that too. You could even you could even do your same set somewhat if you wanted to. I could, but I probably won't. Now, how did you pick where you're going to do your workshop at? The when you're going to work in New York? Uh, oh, it's just because Jolene, my director, has a house there, and. She and we're going to go see her, and she just looked for a spot nearby. We're just looking for space. It doesn't really matter. And actually, she's near Woodstock, and we were going to do it someplace in Woodstock, but it's the Woodstock Film Festival, so all the venues are taken. My brother has a house up around that area. Which I gotta town find out what is town. it? I don't know. Oh, I, don't I know. love this area. Well, and, and also, right smack in the middle of October, it's like the best time. Well, yeah, for him, because he lives in midtown Manhattan. Right. And his wife passed two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, she was... Uh, Sick. Yeah, she had pancreatic cancer. Ugh. And he has a... I guess my niece now is 14, so he's raising her, which is crazy. Right. But they got this house, and at least her last time when she was, you know, she knew... They knew that Em was near. Right. They got to spend the summer out there. Right. And he's like, it's so funny because he was always like, you know, New Yorker, you know, right. professional. But he goes out there and he's telling me how he he raises chickens uh-huh. and he kills them and eats them and he brings them back and I'll trade. And I'm sitting there going, what? And he goes, you got to do it this hey. way. And he Ugh. built, and he's like a farmer. And I go, Tom, Ugh. you can't be a farmer. You're my, I don't want my older brother to be a farmer. And, and I'm still on the kills chickens well, part. Say, well, you know, they're out there. There's not a lot of stores. You know, they said they're in the, once to live um, Excuse me, there are supermarkets. Yeah, but, he just, but still, you know, you're buying a dead chicken, you're killing a chicken. I mean, he, come yeah, on. He, exactly. He just raised them, but you know, but it's funny. Oh, but it's a, it's a beautiful area out there. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And Jolene's house is like 200 years old or something. That's everything it's out like, there is. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it was like before the country was born, right. really. Now, how long it's, is your show going to be? It's about 75 minutes. Okay. Now, are you comfortable in that? Because, I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff to remember. How do you remember all this oh, stuff? That, I mean, yeah, that's been hard. That's I mean, been hard. I can't even remember, like, if I go into an eight-minute set, that's I That's been I a very big, that's been a hard thing. I mean, because I did a TED Med talk last month in San Francisco about this. About was, your show or about anorexia? Well, it's, it's like an excerpt. Of, okay. It's sort of an excerpt of my show. And interestingly enough, some of the jokes that I did on Ferguson, the audience there did not laugh because it was a whole, it was a different environment. It was a health environment, medical environment. They how, were uptight. Now, right? how do you react to it? Because we're so used to, because first of all, and you, I know your show now, it's, it's, you're working on, has serious moments. It has yeah. comedy. But adds a comic in us. Right. When you sit there and first of all, you know the bits work because yeah. they just killed I mean, enough I, Yeah, I know. How do you, how does it, because is it, is it, disappointing. you nervous or do you sit there? I, I would get nervous. I'd be like, what the hell? No, it's disappointing. I was disappointed, but I, I stayed in my time. I stayed with my timing. I didn't allow them to tell me where to take my pauses and you know i stayed with it and they eventually did laugh but there are two places where they missed were like staggering to me i mean and uh, but i understand why now it's because it just was a completely different atmosphere um but anyway so um when i that was like a 10 minute talk and i worked really hard on the memorization of that. I mean, I worked really hard. For to 10 do, minutes? Yes. Okay. Really hard. Which is weird because you're used to doing 45 minute sets. It just, I it's mean. It's different it, though. Because it's a more of a professional. It's a different type of. Uh, also, the, the 45 minute sets that, that I do have been, are like, they're sort of incremental uh, memorization. Okay. I don't start memorizing a 45 minute right. thing you know it's, you do bits it, chunks bits chunk, yeah. you add you, you delete you know <clears throat> so it's um it's a different exercise really but so yeah that's that's hard well how did you end up talking do, doing the ted talk did someone pursue you for it or how did that happen actually wendy liebman was going to do a ted talk and she knew i was working on this show and she couldn't do it because she was doing America's Got Talent. 
and she didn't know if she would be available for the date that what, that the TED conference, the TED Med conference was. So she emailed me and she asked me, uh, you know, she told me she wouldn't be able to do it because of this, and she wanted to know if I'd be if I'd be interested in having her pass my contact info along to them and I said yes thank you and she did and they knew me and they were fans and they were interested and I told them what I wanted to talk about and they said that's great and that's how it happened I mean thanks to Wendy and Wendy will be doing it next year okay that's always good in fact Wendy is funny because Wendy was supposed to do the show next week or two weeks mm -hmm. but she had to switch because she's traveling right but i'm going to be in me and my girlfriend going to see the philadelphia eagles play me and my girlfriend yeah well i said it yeah me and my jo girlfriend jo my can i my say girlfriend my girlfriend and joanne and i okay or my girlfriend and i my girlfriend and i are going but, yeah but i screw never up gonna, I, you know, I, no I'm it's not screw you're never going to do you, this is how you talk yeah but we're going to see uh the philadelphia eagles play in phoenix and that weekend wendy's at the tempe improv so we might go to see her Saturday oh fun night. yeah i would send her a message i said we're going to be there she's like oh well, i'll put you guys on the list but you know i just have to tell you and this is really i'm not proud of this it's i know it's prejudiced of me but when people use bad grammar I start. I lose confidence in them. Like if someone's trying to sell me a product and uses bad grammar, it makes me lose confidence in the salesperson. So I can't ask you any more questions. Isn't now. that interesting? You lost a little confidence. Well, I've lost in confidence in you. I'm not sure what's going to happen can, with this show. I can also understand that what you're saying because. But it's so, I'm, and I'm not proud of that, yeah, Steve. No, I'm just being honest but with it's, you. That's not being. That's nothing wrong with that because I always learned. Like my mom told me when I was a kid, if if you're talking to someone and they don't look you in the eyes. If they're evasive, don't trust them. And I knew that as a kid. And yeah. Because you sit there and you go to see right. someone and they're... Right. No, eye contact is really important. But also, to someone else, someone who uses very specific and correct grammar might not be likable to that person because, right. oh, maybe this person's a snob. Right. They're intimidating. This you know? person's better yeah. than me. I so, I mean, the, the language you choose... It really determines your kind of aggregate, your social aggregate, where you're going to feel most That's comfortable, true. I guess. So we've about eight minutes left. Are you now? Are you going out and acting a lot still? Because I know you did Mad Men. You did some. You do. do you, you edit this show, right? No, you don't. No. So you say on the air we have about eight minutes left. Yeah, so you know, because oh, okay. People always sit there because people sit there and all of a sudden they go, "What? It's an hour?" Oh, 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 okay. And I, like, right. I want them to know, so they sit there if they have anything to okay. say. Can you count me down the last? Uh, few? No. Okay. No. All right. I'll just. I told you we have about eight minutes left. All right. That's but all I, I get. get I want to get all some right. of your acting stuff because we, okay. we touched on a lot of stuff. But I want to okay. know: Are you still you're acting a lot, or are you getting out? Yeah, I am. I mean, I did. I did an NCIS LA. Love that show. Which I'm. It was a nice part, and it's gonna. I think it's airing. Oh, I think it's November third. Joanne watched it. That'll be on our DVR. She watches it and tapes it. And I play a waitress at Cantor's. Okay. It was very fun, and everybody was so nice, so nice. Um, one of the easiest shoots I've ever done. It was so fast, and. Um, then I did Pretty Little Liars. They brought my character back, and I'm hoping they bring her back again. So you did that once, and then they so brought done, her back yeah, again. Yeah, so I did it a second time, and it was a much better part the second time. I mean, it was a really nice part. And, um, I mean, it wasn't big, but it was... I, my character it was... My character meant something more in this episode, I felt, than the initial one that I had done. So I'm hoping that they bring me back more, because they always need teachers on that show. And... Um, I would play, I play the teacher. And, um, uh, yeah, and I think, I'm trying to think if there's anything else coming up. I don't think there's anything else coming up right now. Now, do you enjoy the acting process or you enjoy comedy it. more? Or, I mean, what if, if you would say, well, because your show will be a mixture of both. Yeah. Which is great. But, I mean, do you, I mean, acting, I mean, what do you, what would you, would, if someone said, you can't do stand up, we're going to put you in a series, would you say, I'm, I'm fine with that? You mean, if I had to make a choice? Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Okay. I'd be fine with that. First of all, I'd be I'd be fine with making a steady, a steady income, and and knowing you know knowing where I was going to be every week would be nice. I'd like that. So with the show already, what, damn it. Oh no, but yeah, but you you know you you you've had writing, you've worked. In fact, you were in, uh, one of your Carolina the City's cast members was on a while ago. Who? Amy. Amy, Amy was on such a sweet. She's great. I know. So nice. Yes. And uh, you came up because yeah. I, I said, oh, you know, Kathy Lavin. Yeah, right. Everyone knows Kathy Lavin. Um, when your show after you after you workshop it, what are your plans with that show then? Well, 
my 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 ultimate goal with the show is to do it, you know, across the country in theaters, in colleges and in eating disorder facilities. I'd like to be able to do it. I was talking to somebody yesterday about doing it in high schools, too, because I think that's a really important age group to target. Um, I think it concerns me. I, I sometimes think that my my language and my sensibility is not right for that age range. And my m- the woman I was uh, talking to yesterday, a friend of mine, said she didn't agree with me. She thought that, that these kids can definitely handle it. You know, 15-year-old kids can handle it. And that's, that's really, I mean, they even need, they need to hear about it at a younger age, too. But th- this show is not for, like, 11-year-olds. But kids, the, the younger the better to, to talk about body image and self-esteem. Very important, especially in our society where it's so distorted. So distorted. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a killer of a disease. People don't It is a killer and so you, that, but it is. So, but you're getting the word out there, and so hopefully you'll you'll workshop it, and then you'll feel good about it, mm-hmm. and you'll say, okay, this is we're ready to we're ready to do this. And you know, are you doing a workshop one night or two nights or how? What's the workshop? How long, how long is that process? Well, the workshop I'm I'm only doing one night in New York, and then when I come back here, um, on November sixth, this is the first one, and then there are f- several workshops, uh, four or five workshop dates that we have already set. In um, at Actors Art Theater. Where's that at? That's on Wilshire. Okay. Uh, between Fairfax and Crescent Heights. It's all on, on my websites. The very nice website, my same. Thank you. And my other website too that you haven't seen yet. I'm going to do that right now. It does. Well, does this show make me look fat? Website. So that, and yeah. No, go on. What are you saying? And um, no, so that so we have, and then at that point we're going to decide: do we need more workshops, or do we want to actually, um, you know, now produce it in 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 a theater now for you what would be the ideal theater size for you to do it? i mean uh, would, would your background stand up and just your comfortability what would be the ideal size uh you know i'm not that savvy i don't see it as i don't see it as like an, a, a 1500 seat theater um i see it as probably more like a 400 seat theater maybe that's, that's i think i think that's that's what I'm thinking. Well, it's a very intimate. It's a very intimate uh, topic too. Like it's, the Geffen, the uh, the Geffen has a smaller space that I think would be nice. Their smaller theater, I think, would be really nice. Um, and there there are several theaters that would be the Elephant Theater. Yeah, it's uh, on Vine. I know Jan Karam did her one. Oh, okay. Person show My, I, I opened that. Years ago, they had a little back theater. I had mm-hmm. a comedy troupe, and they had a big theater and a small theater, mm-hmm. and the small, small, small theater. Uh-huh. And we were in that. And my buddy, because my buddy at the time, we waited tables at Planet Hollywood in Beverly Hills. Wow! And he owned it. He started. Him, his friends bought it. Right. So, anyway. So I, and and then I mean, I would love to. I would you know, if you're talking about like really like like what I'd like to do ideally, I'd like this to be a cable special exactly. because I want this to reach as many people as possible. Well, good. I want to thank you for coming on. This is good. Give all your info. Give all that info you have. Was that eight minutes? Yeah. Actually, it was, it was <laughs> seven. It was seven. Now we do a click I'm down. I'm kidding. I know. It's all right. Now give your info. Hmm. Your website, kathylabman.com, people. Oh, yeah. It's just my name, kathylabman.com, and then um, does this show make me look fat.com. And you got to start tweeting. And then... Eh, I, I don't, all right, a little bit. And then um, go to my professional uh, page. Go to my pro page on, on pro Facebook. Page. And also, does this page make me look fat on on uh, Facebook? It's and not, and that's just about it. That's all I can handle. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank and, uh, you, Steve. It's please, always great. I love having you on. I love, I love getting the guests I haven't had for a while because every I, I've grown as an interviewer. You've Everything's changed. You know, mm-hmm. we've all gone through stuff. But So, yeah, people, so check her out. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Um, yeah, go to my website, coopertalk.net. Uh, this week I'll be posting my 300th episode up. That would be uh, with wow. Mark Boone Jr., who plays uh, Bobby Munson on Sons of Anarchy. If you missed it last week, that will be coming up. If you have an Android uh, tablet or phone, go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk. You can get my app. Also, iTunes, Stitcher, one word, Cooper Talk. Email me. Please send me what guests you want to see. I can see if I can try to get them at cooper at coopertalk.net. iHeartRadio. Supposed to start soon, people. I'll have about 15 episodes when that shows up, but they've been 
yanking my chain, as my mom would say. I, I'm not up yet. And every Tuesday, every Tuesday, I host crappy comedy at Jimmy's Bar down there on San Fernando Boulevard. I may, I gave Why it do you call it crappy comedy? Because it's, it's a spoof on all these lame-ass shows people put up. Oh, okay. So come on. show starts at 9. We only do an hour. It's a great show I hosted. Because it's be so there. crappy. Exactly. It's so bad. <laughs> so yeah, check that out. But yeah, go to my website, coopertalk.net. Send me an email and keep listening. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water. Eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend and be safe out there.